and welcome to a fan commentary for An American Werewolf in London from 1981, directed by John Landis. I am Jimmy. I am Tisto of Tisto.com. I'm looking forward to talking about this, this highly overrated movie. Um, you know, I was just, okay. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> go, go right ahead. Yeah, I, I, no, I don't want the I don't want the American Werewolf in London stands after me, but uh, the Highlands better. But um, no, no, I I, do, I like this movie. I do. It's it's not one that I have watched loads of times, so yeah. I probably don't have that affection for it. I saw it when I was younger, and then I maybe saw it one more time, and then I watched it last night. So I I've probably seen it three times in my life, but um. It's not as a horror fan. It's not one of my go-to's. It's kind of a blind spot for me. But um, but I've seen The Howling a million times. But I do prefer Joe Dante as a director anyway to John Landis. So. Now that's interesting. I I have very much the same feelings about this film. Uh, I'm not that big of a fan of The Howling, but I like it. Um, I don't know if I like it better, but uh, there, there's yeah, you're not really kind a horror films. fan anyway, though. You're not. Right. That's a good. Horror. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I do like John Landis' stuff, uh, generally speaking. I, f- I find this one, um, I don't know, the tone almost works, and I think that's why it has the reputation that it does, except, I mean, the, really, the, reput- the reason it has its reputation is the, the, uh, the, the Rick Baker effects, right? Oh, absolutely. And they're still amazing. And they're st- they absolutely are still amazing, because there's no CG. I mean, if you did this mm-hmm. today, well, they did do it today, right? They did American in, in Paris, American Werewolf in Paris. Yeah, that was in the 90s, though, so they could probably do it a little bit better today, but it still wouldn't look as good as... Oh, that's right. Years. Yeah, it was... God damn, it was 1997. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's still so, today, Jimmy. <laughs> well, 97... <laughs> it's just yesterday. <laughs> uh, everything after I got out of college is still today. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Um, I wasn't in college yet in 97. <laughs> I went to college in 98. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, right. Anyway. Let's, let's talk about it. We'll start, start the movie. We've got, uh, we've got a, a Universal logo because this is a Universal Horror Picture. Yes. I've done a, a number of Universal Horror Picture commentaries long, long ago, one of which was The Werewolf of London from 1935. All right. Okay. With, um, what was his name? Uh, uh, Henry Hull. So that was, I think, that that, that was before um, The Wolfman of 1940 or 41, which they mm-hmm. reference in this film multiple times. But they, I don't think they ever mentioned Werewolf of London 1935. Nobody really remembers that film. No. Even though no. that film is, the, is what uh, inspired Warren Zevon to write the song well, Werewolves yeah. of London, which they don't use in this film. No, because it doesn't have moon in the title. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's all a bunch of. Uh, it still would have worked, but I mean that that's the way to end it, really. But I, I maybe they just couldn't get the rights the from rights. Warren Zevon because he maybe wanted too much money or something. But uh, I don't know. He seems he seems like he needed a, lo- a lot of money. Warren did Warren Zevon did not have a lot of hits. I'm thinking that John Landis was really just pushing for the moon motif, though. To be fair, yeah, in the songs, so. Yes, he has certain odd ideas that I don't agree with that we can talk about all the way through. Yes, okay, so that's... So that's entirely possible that that is one of his odd ideas. Yes, oh, he's got many. So let's um, let's talk about the movie. So we've got it paused just after a dedication for Jim O'Rourke. Yep. 
Um, so it's a black screen. Who was a pal of John Landis. Uh, yeah. He helped out on his very first film, Schlock. Yes, indeed. Um, and we're going to do a countdown, three, two, one, play. And on play, we'll all press play and we'll watch the movie together. Yep. So three, two, one, play. And we're fading up on the moors of England, which is actually Wales. They shot this in Wales. So. Yeah, I, I listened to, I watched this a couple of times. Uh, I, I listened to the uh, commentary again, and uh, it's not a very good commentary, but uh, mm. it's, a, it's a nice, you know, I mean, chatty stuff between David Naughton and Griffin Dunn. It's okay. And they say yeah. that. Yeah, they filmed this in, um, they filmed it in Orta as well. Like, this is the very first thing they shot. Well, the very first thing they shot was the porno um, for the, the, the movie theater scene. But, <laughs> the, like, movie-wise, this is the very first thing they shot. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, the, the, the porno is called See You Next Wednesday, and that is a title that John Landis has used over and over again in his movies. It mm-hmm. appears on movie marquees and, and uh, advertisements, billboards and stuff in the background of his films. Not every film... But uh, it's something that he picked up from 2001: A Space Odyssey. It's a line in, the, in that movie. In yeah. The, in the phone call between with his daughter, I think. Yeah. Uh, Rick Mail isn't getting a credit at the beginning here. That's quite sad. He doesn't. Um, have, he's not being Rick Mail in the film. Well, no, but he's he was just being really, an extra. He, he wasn't really Rick Mail back then either. This no? 1981 was when he was uh, Kevin Turvey. Um, in a TV show called Kick Up the 80s. Okay. And that was his first sort of break. He was doing, like, stand-up circuit before that. Okay. Um, so that's probably why he get picked for this. Um, because he wasn't really Rick Mail then. He wasn't really Rick Mail until... Well, Kevin Turvey was a big thing for him, but then the following year he got The Young Ones. Well, he wrote The Young Ones. And that oh, was 82. Massive. Okay, yeah, wow. That was yeah. 82, then 84. They only did two series of the young ones. Um, and then Bottom and, and, and on and on. Bottom was the 90s. And yeah. of course, his he, greatest he, work, New Drop Dead Fred. So. Yeah, I did a, I did a <laughs> podcast episode on that for my, <laughs> my podcast. So, what's the problem? Um, and yeah, there's problems in that movie. Um, but yeah, he did the New Statesman as well. People tend to forget the New Statesman, and that ran for like six series. Oh, wow. But, because he didn't really do it with um, Adrian Edmondson, it was his own thing. Oh yeah. Um, people tend to forget about it. But the New Statesman was um was a big deal, uh, back in the late eighties because he played a, a politician, a conservative politician called Alan Bastard. <laughs> um and yeah, that kicked up a lot of a lot of stink back then, but it was a good show. I knew him from the Young Ones, which we saw on MTV over here. And just loved yeah. loved that, and uh, thought he was hilarious, and uh, never did see Bottom. And uh, but whenever he pops well, he up, he's always plays a very straight laced guy nowadays, and always, <laughs> I find it odd. Well, Nigel Planer does as well. All those guys uh, play very straight laced characters nowadays. Well, sometimes, yeah. Rick Mail still has a sort of well, he did before he passed away, but he had a sort of manic energy to him that you just couldn't really contain. Mm-hmm. So even when he was playing straight laced, it was still sort of an edge <laughs> to him, which is brilliant because I loved that. Right, so let's talk about the actual movie. Um, the yeah, we'll get yeah, we'll get to the rest of those actors in the yeah. uh, in the slaughtered lamb a little later. Yeah, we've got no, our characters. 
there's no such place as Erwood, Leshire, or East Proctor in England. I can't believe so they would just make something up for a <laughs> So that sign is completely fake. Um, I but think this there's is an not... Erwood... Sorry, I think there's an Erwood in Wales, uh-huh. but that's still a fake sign. So. Sorry. Yeah, it, it, this, is this really a moor? Is this... Would you call this a moor? You were my um, moor expert, by the way. Well, they're still in Wales. So... I mean, what is a moor? Isn't, it, isn't a moor covered in heather? Mm. Well, there's heather in the background. You can see all the... Is that heather? Stuff. That's all heather. See all the purple bits in the back? Okay. That's all heather. It's very grainy. I will say this movie is very grainy. It may be hard to see the purple stuff. And we're even watching it in Blu-ray. Um... Actually, I have no fucking idea what that is, so <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't know if it's Heather or not. It's fine, we can curse it's R-rated. We'll say um, Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. There's a lot of nudity <laughs> in this movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even male nudity. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. If you are if you have a taste for David Naughton's butt, this is the movie yeah. for you. Or you can see his penis. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And you get none yeah. of that in the in the uh, uh, Dr. Pepper commercials that he became famous for. <laughs> no. Apparently he gets sacked from those commercials because he was naked in this. But I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if that's 100% correct. <laughs> that makes sense. That would, that would happen. That does make sense, yeah. That had probably played itself out, though, because they, they, they were very popular commercials. Did you have them over there, Dr. No. Pepper? No. We had Dr. Pepper, but we, we didn't. I don't think we had those commercials. It's not called Professor Pepper or something like that? <laughs> no, it's Dr. Pepper. Constable Pepper? Magistrate Pepper? <laughs> Um, private the, paper. Um, <laughs> this is a, a rather slow opening, um, and I you can you can really see the wheels turning. I think mm-hmm. we have to get these. We have to establish in the audience's mind that these are our two main characters, and that they are good friends and we like them. They're very very likable, which is not the case with American werewolf in paris those guys are jerks and idiots and i don't care about those characters at all yeah i think i saw that movie once and that was enough i have not seen the whole thing i've always seen the beginning yeah uh, it starts off uh well they're on a train but then they 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 climb the eiffel tower and they're he's gonna he's gonna do a bungee jump off of it and a girl also climbs the eiffel tower and is gonna jump to her death and he jumps off and catches her <laughs> yeah with, I know. with the bungee ridiculous. jumping it's a great idea for a stunt and it's an insanely stupid idea for a story yeah but it's it's the way it's shot because it's completely green screen and it just looks entirely fake yes that's true um, too and it's a 90s it has to be extreme so you know right. this movie is considered slow by then so yeah but it has it's remarkable because like this scene in particular is in every universal picture you know you go into yeah. the you go into the inn and whether it's in the Tyrolean mountains or Scotland or England or wherever it's it, you get this kind of a thing and the, the, the locals who know the legends of the Frankenstein's castle or the vampire's castle or or whatever or the werewolf um you you get that Right, she's the yeah. Maria Uspenskaya of this film. This woman here, uh, Lila Kane. Mm-hmm. I don't know her from anything else. It seems like I should, but I do know Brian Glover very well and David Schofield uh, very well, and Rick Mail right there. Mm-hmm. Brian Glover, I know from uh, I think primarily, I guess from uh, Campion. He played uh, Lug in the Campion series. Do you know yeah. him from somewhere else? He was in Alien um, Three. He was in an episode of Bottom. Oh, was he? <laughs> yeah. 
But I knew, I knew him from Campion, but also um, uh, probably know, know him better from that episode of Bottom. But I would have recognised him from other... He's put, he was all over the place in British TV back in the 80s. Yeah, it's a little hard with British TV actors, partly because I don't see that as much British TV, obviously, being an American. But he, mm-hmm. he, like he did six episodes of a show called Sounding Brass. That doesn't sound like very much to me, except it, that might be one of the most famous and successful TV shows in Britain, for all I know. <laughs> nope, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> some of the most famous shows in Britain have only 24 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Or 12, in fact. What not it... Uh, uh, Faulty Towers doesn't Faulty Towers only have like twelve episodes? So does the young ones. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Black Adder yep. only has uh, twenty four episodes. They stopped at twelve like, because they wanted maybe. they wanted to be like um, Faulty Towers. They said oh. Faulty Towers can stop at twelve. We can stop at twelve. And also they ran out of ideas. Well, that is also true of Faulty Towers, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, oh, well. Uh, so they see this pentangle uh, uh, written on the wall, which she tries to play off as something that was 200 years old, but it's probably not. Um, yeah. What do you think the backstory is of this town with this werewolf? It, it, it must have must have been something that happened relatively recently, right? It's got to be somebody they know, right? It must be. It must be. Um, but because we see we see the guy after he's been um, shot. Um, but there doesn't seem to be any recognition between the people who saved them and the guy. But the, I imagine that it's someone I know. Which yeah, is why you... he must be a regular to the pub, which is why they put a pentangle in the pub. I don't know. That's a good point. Yes. I don't know why anyone would be, would be a regular to this pub because they don't serve any anything but liquor. They don't, they don't serve food. It was... Where do you get a, a shepherd's pie in this town? It was a small village... In 1981, Testo. Yeah. Um, so, no, there's not any food. <laughs> you can go right. home and make your own damn food. Okay, all right. You can um, get a shepherd's pie here, okay. Probably you can get not. bangers and mash. There is a bowl. If you look, there is actually a bowl there. I'm assuming that's sugar, but it looks like a soup bowl. It's quite big. <laughs> <laughs> David Schofield, people may um, remember... From mm-hmm. Gladiator, and uh, he was one of the bad guys in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it's pronounced Schofield. Oh, I'm sorry. Schofield. That's quite all right. You're American. Yes. I but guess yeah, I don't know him that well. Yeah, no, it's pronounced Schofield. I like how Rick Mail's character still got the beer all over his face when he yeah. did the spit take. <laughs> he didn't bother wiping it. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, David Schofield's been... Um, been in a lot of things yeah he's one of those character actors that just turns up and everything like brian glover he would just talk appear as a um like a bad guy or a heavy or something in, in a oh, tv yeah. show or a movie yeah yeah we're 11 minutes in and we have not gotten to the the uh the hook the 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 thing that's supposed to happen that, that triggers the whole movie. And by this time, so in a, in a modern screenplay in Hollywood, they would say, you've got too much stuff here. And I agree with them that we've got that, that scene went on too long. The scene earlier went on too long. We didn't even need the scene earlier. Really? Not much. Well, I think we need to set up the two main characters because we're not going to get a lot of time with the best friend because he's going right. to die. 
but he, so, he's not very consequential. I mean, he literally he comes back three times and says, "You've got to." He all, each time says, "You're a werewolf. You got to kill yourself." I know, but we we have to we have to give a shit about him because um, our main character gives a shit about him. So yeah. we have to see the relationship between the two for his death to mean something. I agree, except that that there's no plot happening while we're doing that. So well, there is a, a plot happening. They are trying to get somewhere, and they are um, going through uh, the moors where they've been told to stay in the road, and they're about to get attacked. But I know it's what twelve minutes in, but we're still it's still sort of it's still setting it up. We've been told that there's something out there. There's um, the pentagram thing or whatever it is on the wall. We know there's a danger, so you know. I mean, yeah, two... sure, it's going to be a bit, a wee bit slow, but I don't think it's yeah. that bad. So. Well, I agree that it's not that bad. It's not so bad. <clears throat> it just needs to be tightened up. Um, mm-hmm. We also get a little bit too much of this uh, of the pub folks. We we get a second scene of them just talking amongst themselves, which is you'd never do in an earlier uh, I know. Universal picture. But they're debating whether or not they should actually go and save them. And it's shown the conflict in them. And the the barmaid herself or the landlady, whatever she is, she um she's the the voice of reason. Yes. So I like that. I like that they're showing this because it's not like that there was a bravado there where they were like, Oh, you silly Americans, blah blah blah, but they actually do give a crap about them, but they just don't want to go and help them in case they die. So <laughs> I would like it better if we got if, if we used one or both of those scenes to uh, give a little back story, like maybe a picture of the guy who has turned into a werewolf. Right. OK. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they talk about him. They use they mention him by name and that kind of thing that they're that they loved this guy. He was a pal of theirs. And yet now they're terrified of him. Yeah, I think maybe just dropping that in a little bit would be good. Like, just say his name and yeah and have a picture of him but it's a, good. the pub is called the slaughtered lamb and it has a picture of a of wolf on it which by the way there is a slaughtered lamb pub in new york nowadays by the way <laughs> right. directly inspired by this of course um, that is uh so that that suggests that they've been having werewolf troubles at this village mm-hmm. for many years <laughs> that they that they made a sign with the werewolf's head on it and everything yeah, but I can only assume that that's because the guy, um, just whoever it was, just kept like biting someone, and then that would just keep the the lineage going, and then they would just keep killing that person. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but, yeah. That's the other thing. They don't talk about like why they haven't gone out and uh, and already killed this guy. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming it's because they're scared. Because I get from that conversation that they're scared and they just really don't – they just want to sit in their pub and drink their alcohol and forget about it. It's not going to go into the pub. Um, I'm assuming they all stay there till the morning. (laughs) Well, yeah, and then they go out and they find a couple of dead sheep, right? Yeah. That's probably what usually happens. Yeah. They just sit it out. uh, David kills – 
deer. That's how, that's in a dream, though, right? He only kills a deer in a dream. Yeah. Oh, this and is a, so this is one of the problems I have with the film here. This is shot way too close. I don't like the cinematography of this. Everything right. here is shot way too close. I mean, I get the idea of oh, we don't want to show too much of the of the werewolf. Yeah, it's but, the Jaws thing, isn't it? But well, they, everybody uses Jaws as, a, as a, that example. But um, we're like even when we're following. David is running away. We're seeing David as if we're running right next to him, four feet away from him. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You see, that's the thing. I, rewatching this, I actually forgot David ran away. <laughs> yeah. Um. So watching it last night, I was like, oh, shit, he fucking runs away from his mate getting mauled to death. <laughs> uh, I but then he runs that. back. The way he runs back to save him, yeah, and doesn't manage it. Um. It's really gory. Yeah, it looked like Brian Glover too, because he had bald head and everything. It's like, is that maybe it's his brother or something? But maybe. you could be forgiven for thinking that it was him. Well, it couldn't be him, obviously, because he's right there. Well, now he is. Yes. Yeah. Well, he, well, he was the one that shot. <laughs> but it would be confusing, I think, to yeah most people. Here is our introduction to Jenny Agutter as uh, Alex Price. Nurse Price? Nurse Price, yeah. Um, I do... Sorry, just to go back to what you said earlier about oh. him like running and it looked like we were right... Looks like it, we were right next to him. I think that was maybe just a... Like a production... Um, uh, thing where they couldn't really film it any other way because of lighting, maybe. Because there was still a, quite a small production. Um, but it does look absolutely fucking ridiculous because it looks as though we are looking from Jack's point of view. We should be running with him, but... Yeah, it doesn't look right. Well, I, I would I would expect you would shoot it looking over Jack's body in the foreground and looking at David running away. You, I just it just mm. needs a medium shot, if not a long shot there. Yeah, yeah. I think instead we're we're really, well, well. I guess it's technically a medium shot if we're, mm. we're seeing him from the waist up or something. But um, the whole film is shot that way. There are very very few long shots in this film. Yes. It feels like a TV show, in fact. And I don't know why. Our cinematographer has plenty of, uh, of, of uh, cinema experience. i got to look him up, though. Right. So, yeah, so we've got Jenny Agutter, and I can't remember the name of the actor who was the Doctor. Oh, um, um, Dr. Hirsch's John Woodvine. He's wonderful, but he is one of several very, very British middle-aged men in this film that get confused. <laughs> well, you might, but I can tell them all <laughs> apart. Testo. Yeah. You're, being, you're American this show in there, Testo. <laughs> I just mean that, like, all the other victims are like these, they seem to be upper class, very, fairly posh uh, upper class, you know, English men, mm-hmm. and it's like oh, they—they just all. I, I, obviously, this one is the doctor, and he's a main character. He blends in, but you know, I mean, he's—he stands out because of that. But they all seem like that. You know, there's not a lot of color and character in them. You know what I mean? No, that's true. Um, As opposed to Frank Oz, who just comes in, who is <laughs> just ridiculous. Yeah, Fozzie's here, <laughs> and that's just that's how he sounds. It's just like Fozzie. Um, yes. He's got a very distinctive voice. 
Although I think he sort of adds like more of a a bit of a New York twang to Fozzie at times. Um, I suppose so, yes. Slightly, but um, but yeah. Here's here's Frank Oz. And it makes our gosh third or fourth uh, Muppets commentary because we get, <laughs> we get the Muppets in this on TV, yeah, right? Frank Oz is in this twice. Yeah. Uh, Osnowitz. Frank Richard Osnowitz was his real name, by the way. Born in England, Hereford, England. Yeah. Yeah, and um, well, the a lot of the uh, a lot of Muppet stuff was shot in England as well. We've talked oh, yes. about that before. We have, and I never knew that. That was something that you taught me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we didn't talk much about Jenny Agutter. Let's talk about her. Yeah, let's talk about her. Um, I don't like her much. Okay, so Frank Oz, um, Frank Oz is a legend, and sure. um, <laughs> he's he's a little over the top in this character. He definitely is. He really he's in is. a lot of John Landis movies. We should say that as well. Yeah, they're friends. The, um, the Blues Brothers and stuff like that. We should. Yeah. Yeah. So Jenny Agutter. Yes. Um, <laughs> Logan's uh, Run. A lot of people know her from Logan's Run. Yeah. A lot of pervs know her from um, Walkabout. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I did not like Walkabout. I eventually saw Walkabout. When she for, the, for that very reason that I am a perv. Yeah, she was 17. She was, but, I don't know how old she was, yeah. She was 17 um, and Walkabout. But um, the thing about Walkabout is, um, in order for a movie to be classified like as an ex back in the day or whatever, to be classified as like pornographic, um, the nudity has to be sexual. So in Walkabout, she's just walking about naked and jumping into water naked, skinny dipping and stuff. So it's, there's nothing sexual about the nudity there. So Walkabout is actually rated 12 here now. Okay. Which is mental because there's a lot of nudity in it. <laughs> well, the, the story is that the two kids, like they're father commits suicide i think and maybe mm-hmm. and he maybe he was trying to try to kill them or something so he drives them into the outback and tries to you know he ends up dying and they get stranded out there yeah. and they uh they just wander around and they get befriended by some aboriginals and mm-hmm. encounter some other people and i just found it a meandering story that wasn't very interesting and yeah uh, I, I, and I'm kind of serious. Jenny Angerter has never really done much for me. I, I don't know no. why, but uh, I, I, a lot of people, in fact, including the stars of this film, had a crush on her. And uh, I don't know, it just didn't do anything for me. She's a perfectly nice English actress, but uh, yeah, okay. Not my <laughs> cup of tea, as you would say. So you don't find her attractive then? She's attractive, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. She's not like um, Nita Carter. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Uh, I don't know. I didn't find her particularly sensual, I suppose, as opposed to these uh, police detectives who I find very sensual. Yeah, that mustache is doing it for me. I'm not going to lie. These are two more sort of middle-aged Englishmen, one of whom has a lot of character, but he's kind of slapsticky. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that slapstick stuff he did in the doctor's office there. Yeah, That was a bit much. That's that's kind of what's wrong with. It. I like that that's the um, sunflowers that's in the 
the painting in the background for some reason. Then goth. Yeah. Painting. Um, the the slapstick stuff. Yeah, there's just some odd sort of weird moments in this movie. Yeah, they try say... to get some. Yeah, they try to get some uh, kind of Thompson and Thompson energy going, I guess, between the two of these uh, guys. You know, the the, the, uh, the, uh, the Dinton characters. And yeah, uh, the, it was kind of not, a staple. It doesn't work. It was kind of a staple in um, like carry sitcoms on? here. Oh, not okay. just carry on, but like sitcoms and stuff in the early eighties. And I think John Landis just tried to do that sort of TV. British TV comedy thing on occasion where the inspector is where the sergeant is kind of dopey and the inspector yeah. keeps upbraiding him a little bit. Yeah. Um, sort of so, class based comedy, I guess. Absolutely. So what do we make of these dreams then? Oh, there's a long shot. My goodness. Yeah. An actual long shot. Testo. Um, <laughs> um, so they are a little bit, um, uh, I don't know. They're a little bit confusing because there's no hint that this is a dream, as is done in movies from time to time. Um, so it's a little bit jarring. I guess it's meant to be, but yeah, um, I think it's because there was a hint in the first one because he wakes up. Right. He opens his eyes. Right. I, I, I'll go back to that because I want to talk about this. I want to talk about um, uh, Benjamin, the little boy, yes. who's reading comics. Right. And the comics he is reading, one of them is The Dandy, which is the one that the little boy is about to steal off him. And I used to read The Dandy when I was a kid. That's it. <laughs> right. But I think this is another thing about John Landis's weird sense of humour. There's a dandy right there in front. Okay, see I see it. it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that comic. Right, this this is another sort of weird John Landis humour thing. I think he told this little boy to say no, and he's reading the Lauren Hardy comic. I th I think John Landis said to told told this wee boy to say no. Jenny Agutter doesn't know what you're going to say. You just say no. Okay. And I think that's just sort of a weird sort of thing that you know he thinks that's funny. And then the next beat is the other little boy who steals the comic smacks on the bum. That's a John Landis thing, I'm sure. He told that boy to do that because he thought it was hilarious. Oh, sure, yeah, I suppose so, uh, yeah. Oh, bare feet, can't look. And um, it just uh, it just doesn't work. I want those earphones, those headphones. The, I want the, them. The purpose of that scene, though, is to make her, to endear her to us, right? That's the save the yes. cat moment for her character. Except exactly. she's a nurse who's taking care of David. We already like, she's a pretty girl in the film. We already like her. <laughs> But it shows that it shows that she can. She's also like taking care of kids. She's taking care of everyone. It's not just like grown men. <laughs> she can, you know, she talks <laughs> right. to everyone in the in the um in the hospital, and she's could... nice and pleasant to everyone, including little annoying kids who only say no. Right. Yes. Um, and later a, that's on, a very good point. he does that again, and she just starts tickling them and playing with them, and I think that's a genuine reaction from the little boy later on so i think that was an improvised thing uh so i think john landis just said you just say no just annoy her try and annoy her right she's, she's playing nice she's been a nice woman try and annoy her and she doesn't she doesn't really she doesn't break she she, she goes with it well yeah that's the other thing a lot of reactions like there's a woman in the zoo who's who was not told that david naughton would be naked 
mm-hmm. and she doesn't react because she's an English woman and she, <laughs> she just doesn't really react at all. <laughs> and I don't think he quite got what he thought he was going to get by doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they, the actors do mention how John Landis would tell one actor something and then tell the other actor something else. So the actors did not know what the other was going to do. Yeah. And uh, Griffin Dunn even says that he has used that in the, in the films that he directed. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't know if that was necessary, but because I think he's, I think he accidentally cast like really good actors. Like all these, all these actors are really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen in other films along these lines, especially American werewolf in Paris. Um, you know, it's easy to pick the wrong actor, but uh, I think both of them said they really didn't do much um, in the way of uh, uh, an audition. They just met him 10 minutes long and, uh, you know, he liked Dr. Pepper. And uh, so David Nutt was in and and he saw Griffin Dunn and Griffin Dunn had only done a couple of movies. And he was like, yeah, OK, yeah, I think it'll work. OK, great. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. amazing. Well, that bit there where he wakes up and he's got like the weird vampire face for some reason. Yes. He looks yeah. like something from Salem's Lot. Yes. Um, he he does. This is the follow up to that where he's saying I'm having weird dreams to the doctor. Okay. So yeah, it could be a little bit more explicit, but he is actually dreaming all of that nonsense. Um, yeah, I mean, it becomes clear after the fact, obviously. Uh, but I think need... it's. Sorry, I think it's a, that's his bloodlust coming through. Right. Yes. That's why he's dreaming that he's attacking animals and eating animals. That's his. That's his. Uh, the werewolf trying to, you know, you know, be dominant and say, right, you're gonna, you're gonna go out here and you're gonna eat some shit, um, and then the full moon, you're gonna eat some humans. Uh, yeah, but... I think that I think that perfectly works. Yeah, I agree. But the the I don't know. There's something about the way that they're shot and edited in yeah that makes it it's disjointed exactly that's exactly the word thank you um i love the lighting right here in this scene with the that is quite good lighting yeah yeah i just remind this just reminds me of the stupid wee hats that nurses used to wear <laughs> look like doilies if you're not uh watching the film with us there's a like a green light shading onto the wall Mm-hmm. In the hospital room and then uh david naughton is in the bed and he has a key light on his face yeah and then there's a like a little bit of fill light uh elsewhere so that uh we have something on jenny agater um it's just a, kind of an, one of the it stands out because it has it's, it has better lighting than most of the rest of the film because most yeah. of it's f- shot very very flat i mean there's a lot of light in the scenes with um uh griffin dunn jack's character you know in in the full makeup and everything, it's very daring. Obviously they had a lot of faith in Rick Baker's uh, makeup, but you'd never normally do that in a horror movie. You want to cloak it in shadow for, for, for atmospheric reasons, not just to hide the bad makeup. Yeah, absolutely. But just lucky that it's good makeup and there's the Muppets. There's yes. the Muppets. <laughs> and they're watching a puppet show. Yeah. That's yeah. Punch and Judy. I don't know. Uh, that's a really old television as well, obviously. Uh, yeah, old TVs are starting to look really, really dated, aren't they? So this is this would have been a Sunday, because oh, that's a good point. Yeah, because well, I don't know when it aired. I just remembered that this is actually what I'm dreaming about America now, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Right. So yeah, 
Um, Muppet Show aired on a, mon- a Sunday here, so I don't know when it aired on a in the US. Yeah, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, so this is the dream with the Nazi monsters coming in and killing his Jewish family. They even shoot yeah. menorah. And uh, it, I think this is part, the, the well, this and the earlier comment about him being Jewish. Yeah. I, I should say, they, not only are the actors Jewish, but John Landis is Jewish as well. Um, there was a reviewer that said, you know, I think this is, a, you know, a, a metaphor for a man, young man coming to grips with his Jewishness. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. But a scene like this, you go, oh, yeah, I guess Nazis monsters shoot up a menorah. I guess that <laughs> I guess you could read that into there. Yeah. But why is it there? <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> why is it in this movie it about werewolves? Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. It, it's as if a different writer had written he has bad dreams, and then, that's so and, then and, and then a director goes, okay, well, what do I think is a good bad dream? Nazis who shoot at you and kill your family. Yeah. And a double yeah. scare, right? Yeah, double scare. Yeah. You think he's woke up, but um, he's not. Jenny Agar gets. So this is a real hospital. It was an abandoned hospital. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Um. And they, they, they filmed in it. But you can tell that it's it's real because when he opens the curtains, there's actual buildings outside and it's not like a <laughs> fake backdrop. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is probably a small room to film in. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a small bed. Um, you can see, I mean, it's it's got nice authenticity to it as a, uh, as a room. It feels, you know, it's got masonry and it feels, uh, you know, solid yeah see i'm watching this in the the old universal blu-ray it's like the first release blu-ray and arrow films released it a couple of years ago and i think they upgraded it a bit so i would like to like i've got that one as well and then see just how much better the picture is especially that opening scene um remember you're saying that the opening scene was quite grainy yeah um i i don't like digital noise reduction when no. it's overdone, you know, famously, yeah. I think we've talked about that it's, it was overdone yes. on um, uh, the release of uh, Predator. Yeah, and Back to the Future. It's quite yeah. bad for it as well. Whack, the people look waxy in it. So, But Arrow pictures are usually really quite good with their with their uh, transfers. Um, so, um, but but this is what I'm leading to. <laughs> um, that food looks disgusting, by the way. And I like porridge, but it looks minging. But see the see the whole the makeup here. On that looks done, yes. Really bloody disgusting. Oh, it's great. And it's really really good. It is amazing, yeah. To this day, that would hold up perfectly well in a film, yeah. Yeah. You still have so to do good. this the same way, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't do this with CG in all likelihood. Well, no. No, you would have to do this practically. You would think so anyway. You, you would want to, yeah. There are, yeah, I think, absolutely. there are films where they have done like uh, Batman. Uh, what's the Batman with Two Face, uh, hmm. where they CG'd his face so it looked, you know, you couldn't do that with makeup. The Dark they Knight. Did to him. The Dark Knight. Yes, thank you. Yeah, because for that you would actually have to take off half the actor's face. Right. Because of the extreme, um, the. Um, but yeah, this is just amazing makeup. And it's and it's a bright, sunny, lit set. I mean, a very flatly yeah. lit set. It's during the day. Yeah, 
So it's not this is not something you'd ever seen a horror film before this. Yeah, and not, of course not the, this close up. No. Well, yeah, not, uh, this brightly lit and close up. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. You see little bits of it wiggling and everything. It's, I know it's talks. disgusting. It's, it's crazy. But <laughs> I love um, it. And and he's his character is very at least at first very cheerful uh, when he addresses him and very friendly and i think it mm-hmm. works between the actors but i think it's one of the things that lots of people say makes the tone of this film weird like why would you why would you do that why don't you make it a little more you know a little more not frightening but more serious at that point you know he's dead and he's got something very important to tell because his I th- friend i think it's to sort of um lighten it just a little bit like you're already seeing him and he's disgusting and he's all ripped to bits, but he's making jokes. So I think it's to maybe put you at ease a little bit and also put him at ease. But then um, when he says, yeah, you're going to have to kill yourself. That's, that's when it sort of takes a turn. And that's uh, where I think, again, the tone is off a bit hmm. because Landis isn't doing any of the things that you would expect a horror film to do. He doesn't do a, a very serious reveal. We get one later when he when he moves the mirror, right? That's a, that's mm-hmm. been used a dozen times since then, um, and probably a dozen times before. Yeah. Um, but we don't get that here, and we don't get that uh, elsewhere too. He like we see him across the street, and he waves him into the 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 porno theater. Like mm-hmm. that wouldn't be in a normal. <laughs> horror movie <laughs> and i think since this i mean this was kind of an experiment i think in in mixing horror and comedy successfully because it had been a failure completely before and since then we've got stuff like nightmare nightmare on elm street and some other stuff that uh scream that successfully really successfully bonded horror and comedy and we, in fact we've got quite a lot of stuff uh, uh, later on that bonded uh in fact virtually every well, I shouldn't say that because I'm not a big horror fan, but you tell me. Mm. Uh, many, if not most, horror films have strong elements of comedy nowadays, wouldn't you say? Nowadays? Um, yeah. Y- yes, maybe. I think there's a lot of more sort of serious horror these days. It, has it gotten more like serious ins- since well, Saw and it, stuff like that? Insidious, um, Sinister is really effing serious. Um uh, but then you've got stuff like Wish Upon um, and some of the Mike Flanagan stuff that do have sort of like some, not so much humour in them, but like sort of character, more, they're more sort of character based. Um, and that's what I like in horror movies is when you actually give a shit about the characters. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. That was one of the big problems, yeah, of uh, of horror movies in the seventies, like the, yeah. the slasher films. Um, you know, we're going to get our Doctor Loomis here in in uh, Doctor Hirsch, mm-hmm. but uh, it's played so totally differently. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, this is quite a nice apartment, actually. Um, and it, yeah, apparently it was a real a apartment. apartment. Yeah, they they make a set for the transformation later, but this was like a real building that they shot in, and it's a yeah. charming little place that maybe a nurse couldn't afford on her own. Uh, no, she probably maybe could, but um, this is this is probably about right this size. Oh yeah. Yeah, but she does mention inflation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and you know that's. 
and you know that's Thatcher's Britain for you back in 1981. <laughs> um, but she does sort of mention that nurses don't get a lot of pay, which is true, and they still don't. Um, but hey ho. Uh, but yeah, horror. I think a lot of humour in horror movies sort of came in the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the 90s also sort of added a lot of angst because it was the 90s and they had to, you know, teens and everything. No, they're all angsty. Grunge, yeah, all that bullshit. And then 2000s was the most serious, I think. Okay. Um, That's when you started getting the saws and the... Um, yeah, some of the, the torture porn stuff. And all, yeah. all that torture yeah. porn bullshit. And then I think nowadays it's a nice mix. Um, they're not as humorous as the 80s or 90s, but you know, there's there's some with some humour. Right, so they're just sort of cleaning each other in the shower here. That's nice of them. It is very nice of they're them. Just yeah, washing each other, washing each other's backs. That's good. Exactly. Yeah. And she's they even cleaning the shoulder with her mouth. That's nice. <laughs> the actors point out that the, the, the shower had to be a set because there you can't find this sort of thing in Britain. You have, like, tubs with yeah. like, uh, we little don't... hand things. You don't have, like, an actual tile back, shower. Back then, we didn't. No. Yeah. No. You can have... You, we have them now. But back then, it was just um, a shower over... We have a shower over... Like a bathtub, right? Yes. Yeah. We We have that. I have that in my house. Because we live in a, a council house and mm-hmm. we rent from the local council. So we this isn't our house. So we can't do modifications to it because oh, we sure. haven't okay. bought it. Um, but we should have a walk-in shower because my mum can barely get in the bath these days because she's old. Um, but yeah, but that's, that's the whole point of like... Uh, yeah. Sorry, come back to the shower in this. It's clearly a different shower to the one that we see when they go into the bathroom. So, yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> a set. Because the one we see in the bathroom is from the actual flat, and right. it's a shower over the bath. So, Which yeah. is still common in America as well. Uh, that's certainly what I grew up with. But uh, yeah, my yeah, house yeah. now has has not a tile shower, but a fiberglass shower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I always find it weird in movies that after someone's had sex, they find time to put clothes on. Well, like, yeah, it's one of those things, yeah. Um, I mean, she's just been nude and had sex, and then she put a T-shirt on to go to sleep. That's my experience, not to be terribly unusual. Well, no, it's just that it's, it's more... In movies, it's more sort of because the actress doesn't want to show any more nudity than is entirely necessary so she rolled over there and if she was naked she would have to put the cover over her breasts so to stop that she would just put a t-shirt on it's a common trick in movies I I, I would say it's a common trick with women in general (laughs) that they they want to put clothes on after sex I don't know, again, my experience versus yours I suppose I don't, I don't know. I don't know where you're coming from on this. You don't. <laughs> that, looks, that was a completely believable scene, as far as I was concerned. Well, it's 
Right. Anyway, here, Griffin Dunn is back. What I'm saying is it's common in movies. Yes. Yes, it happens quite often in movies. It's very rare for a woman who has just had sex to still be naked after sex in a movie. If you want to criticize something, you should criticize the magical sheet that often happens in movies where somehow it covers the woman's breasts and yet it's it goes down and it leaves the man's chest exposed. Yeah, no, I get that. But that's what I'm saying. And that's what that's why they put the tops on so they don't have to do that. Right. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So here she had a top on so she didn't have to do the, the, the magic sheet thing. <laughs> I can't believe we talked about housing over the love scene, and now we're talking about the love scene over the monster scene. Well, I just really want to say, Testo, yes, that David is sitting on that couch naked. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, you're, that's a good point. And he's he just urinated. Anything. He's just urinated and not not washed his hands. Yeah, true. That's a point. Yeah. He's yeah. Kind of, pillow over his yeah he's privates. got a cushion over his his mm. penis so that's really yeah that's not very hygienic so yeah um i like that every time jack comes back he's just like more degrading yeah he this has been a few weeks now i he's he's all black and mm-hmm. starting to uh yeah uh, really decay badly uh but he's still wearing the jacket and everything so he wouldn't have yeah. been buried in that the the rules of the afterlife are confusing a little bit here. No, it's how it's how he looked when he died. It's not how he looked when he was buried. He he's right. he's not. It's not his corpse. It's his ghost. Well, that, then the question arises: Well, why are we seeing his ghost age and decay? Because there's a time limit on it. He's stuck. He's stuck here because. Um, uh, David is still alive. David, if David dies, then they all, everyone he killed or everyone involved in um, that lineage but, of the werewolf can go and pa- walk, pass over into the. But as you as you pointed out, he's not a he's not a corpse. He's a no. ghost. Why would a ghost decay? That doesn't because. <sighs> I think it's just it, it, that it suggests that if he if David remained a, a werewolf for years, then he would he would be talking to Jack and Jack would be a skeleton. Yes. And then he would be like falling apart. <laughs> yes. But I think that's the thing, though. I think that's the whole point of it is that he's in turmoil. He's in he's in limbo. Well, yeah. Yeah. He points that out. Yeah. Yeah. He's not so, so happy anymore. No. Can we just put, I don't know if you see it again, but there's a really weird picture next to her bed on the wall. It is a World War One soldier, I believe. Is that what it is? A Tommy Atkins, as you would call them. Right. That's just a really strange thing to have, unless it's like her father or something. It must be her, I was thinking it must grandfather? be her grandfather. Yeah, yeah it was her grandfather. Because she's still quite young, so I think she was 27 when she made this movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't think she'd be wearing her earrings at this point. That is a little odd. No, no, Testo, women do that all the time. <laughs> your experience must be completely different from mine. <laughs> we get it, Testo, you've had a lot of sex. <laughs> uh, back to the Moors. Yep, yeah, I do like that the... The, um... 
the doctor investigates it though. Yeah, this is his Doctor Loomis moment, isn't it? Yeah, like from from uh, because <laughs> in uh, in uh, Halloween we have to have something happen other than people getting murdered constantly. So mm-hmm. we've got Doctor Loomis tracking him down, and now in this we go. I don't know. Let's cut away from that and go to the Doctor Hirsch tracking him down. But but strictly speaking, is this scene? Are these? Is this whole sequence necessary? Does it help us in any way? Really? Well, we see more sheep. Um, oh. no. <laughs> and sheep dogs. We yep. see doggies, that's good. That um, good. No, it's the... I don't know why it's here. I think it's just to give him more of a, a motivation to believe um, David. Although he that's... doesn't really believe him. He believes there's something going on, but he doesn't right. believe the werewolf thing. Yeah, and that is part, yeah another kind of a problem that I have with this is that he... You know, Doctor Loomis believes that the that the that the boy has grown up into a serial killer and is going out and killing everybody, and he's trying to track him down. And this doctor is like, "What's going on here?" And and we're back to the pub again, and these and we don't really get any additional information that we don't already have. You know, one guy tells him like, you know, something really is going on, and we tried to stop him, and then that's all we get. It just, it's kind of not a very helpful or useful uh, uh, sequence, in my opinion. Not really, no. Just to give these actors more screen time, I think. I'm assuming John Landis just liked them. Um, so now Rick Mail is no longer playing chess. <laughs> yeah. He's now playing I, I, dominoes. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, the Brian thing that I would... playing chess alone, so... The thing that I would expect to happen here is for him to find out enough information that he begins to suspect that the werewolf story is actually genuinely true mm-hmm. and that he ends up, he's the one who goes to David and and says, you know, I, I think this is actually true. But if that's the case, we don't actually need the Jack character at this point at all. We don't need Jack to come back to tell him you're a werewolf, you have to kill yourself. We have the doctor to do that. So I feel like we don't need both. And that's why it's a kind of a weird mistake well we need jack for the for the um emotional beat of it though because it would be That's weird true. if it was this guy doing it because david right. doesn't know who he is right it has to be his best friend that does it yeah you, we've never seen the best friend come back from the dead I, I don't think in any other film before this so this it is the thing that sets this film apart it's the yeah. thing that everybody remembers nobody remembers the doctor going and talking no. to the people in the pub no and i do agree with you that this is not needed we don't need this scene yeah. at all this scene is pointless because he's not really learning anything that we don't know we already the, the, know what these characters are like we already right. know what they know and yeah it's kind of pointless the the film is kind of a series, a weird series of situations in which David tries to convince the doctor and the cops that that he was attacked by a wolf, and then and them saying no, I don't believe that, and then Jack trying to con- convince David that he was attacked by a werewolf and that he's a he's going to be a werewolf and kill people, and David says nah, I don't believe that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a it's a weird like double situation of like it's almost a, a cop with a theory no one believes, you know, uh, uh, that you get from certain uh, police detective uh, things. 
Also, can we just point out that back in the early 80s, it was perfectly okay for you to drink a Guinness and then go and drive. Um, they have a, a pint of Guinness. A pint of Guinness. Well, you wouldn't do that yeah. today? No. It's, it's legal now. So how do uh, people who go to the pub get home? Uh, taxis or a designated driver or they walk. Nobody walks anywhere in America, except in New York. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's against the law to, Practically. to drink alcohol. Oh. Oh, no, not walking, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's against the law to drink. And um, there used to be limits, but now it's pretty much like, no, don't drink at all. It's it's not good. Um, uh, but... Well, Britain never had a prohibition like America did, right? So I think that prohibition in the united states although we call it a failed experiment a noble experiment mm -hmm. um it actually did break the cycle of alcoholism that had existed in western culture uh because people just drank to drunkenness all mm -hmm. the time in the old days it was it's crazy you know I, mean, I don't think we we have forgotten how prevalent alcoholism really was of course, it, it made a comeback in, after World War II when people were dealing with the war. But uh, um, I think it, I think it genuinely helped in a lot of ways. And Britain didn't have that, so maybe, yeah, maybe it took longer for people to get past, you know, that that situation where Dad goes and gets drunk every night. Well, well I, right, okay, I, I'm not entirely sure what you mean, though. Like. Did when alcohol was legal again, did people stop drinking in America? No, no, they they went back, they went back to drinking, but they had many people had to give up alcoholism. You can't be an alcoholic if you can't get alcohol regularly, right? Yes. Um, so it was it was much harder, and a lot of people never started drinking alcohol to the point that they became alcoholics. So they, I think there was a whole generation there that where as a kid. You just didn't, you know, you didn't grow up drinking as a young man. And so today, it's, you have to be 21 to drink in America. So although obviously generally young people can get alcohol, they can't get enough to become alcoholics before they're 21. You know? Is it 21 everywhere? Yes. I it's think, 18 years. Yes. Yeah. Right. Sorry. So, just, just to talk about this, the cat is yep. hissing at him. And the way they did that is um, the actor held another cat up to the cat. So right. it's yes. actually hissing at another cat. That's a good trick. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. You were talking about alcoholism <laughs> and uh, prohibition. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really apropos to the story, but uh, I just found it interesting that, that what you said, that, that, that I realized that, oh, yeah, that was we have a different experience in America, that alcoholism just sort of... Had a, it used to be terrible, and then it, it it dropped in the 1930s down to you know manageable. Mm -hmm. But people still drank and drive, uh, obviously drunk, 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 drink, drink, drink and drive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, into right. the 1970s. So here, sorry, I have to talk about the television now. Back in 1981, yep. we only had three channels. There's BBC One, this is BBC Two that he's on just now, with the darts. 
and then it's going to flip over to ITV. And ITV had has adverts, as you can see. And for some fucking reason, they play this entire advert. And I have no idea why. This is extremely yeah. weird. <laughs> I, I have no idea. My theory is that, that uh, John Landis wanted to meet Nina Carter. And uh, <laughs> that was that. So, yeah. So he shot this, I guess. No, I think it this is, is very, ad- very weird. This is probably an actual advert. This, this really? looks like an actual News of the World advert. Oh, yeah. I don't. It seems no. It seems like it's made up. But you would think that she would appear later in the film. She is the gun on the mantelpiece. No, it's an <laughs> you actual, would think that think he would attack ad- her later. I think it's an actual advert. Yeah, I. It, it would make sense if if she were the actress in the uh, the porno. Mm-hmm. But I, she's not right. She's just a like a sexy lady actress. Yeah, person. That's why like I a think, model, right? That's why I think it's just an it's an actual advert because <laughs> that looks like a news of the world advert to me. Um, but yeah, it is it is a very weird moment. Yeah, I agree. The play long, um, but he's now bored because um, he's you know in England and we only have three channels and BBC One is was off during the day. That's why you had the test card there. Oh really? Um, yeah, because it didn't really yeah. have anything to show. Um, we only had we only had three or four channels in America until about this time, and yeah. cable TV came in, and all of a sudden we had fifty channels. Well, Channel Four started in nineteen eighty two, so three channels here, and then a four started in eighty two. Did you get what we think of as cable television I mean, ever? Uh, we have satellite television. We have Sky, but that started in the nineties. But I mean, we have, I mean, there was a time in the, during the 1980s and 90s where we had literally like, you know, uh, 30 or 40 channels. I mean, well, I guess I have that on, on, uh, uh, I mean, I have satellite now, so I've got, you know, a hundred channels, but I don't mm-hmm. watch 90 of them. No, we didn't have, we didn't have, uh, we don't have cable. But when you like, do you have satellite TV where you have like a hundred channels? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was the whole point of satellite TV is to give us more channels. I get maybe you skipped the cable TV part. We did. Okay. Satellite. This, this is another satellite sorry, TV was our cable TV. Oh right. So this is another odd scene. That scene was where he's he's you know, he looks in the refrigerator, which is a weird tiny college refrigerator. Like we don't have those in America. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's those in that's colleges. Our, no, that's our that's the sizes of our fridges. Yeah. Yeah, we have giant refrigerators. Back then, anyway. Um, even an apartment-sized refrigerator is a like is f- like five and a half feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he's pacing back and forth, and it's just a weird thing. Now he's reading, and then suddenly he has a splitting headache. It's a very weird way to develop this. I don't think I don't think it is. I think this is actually quite <laughs> fucking genius. Because, really? yeah. You just are screaming. Of course. Because it's agonizing. And it's just like. But it, it happens instantaneously and just instantaneously yes. takes off all of his clothes again. Yes, because we have seen, we have seen where um, Jenny Agatha is with uh, Benjamin again. And then we see the moon outside. And that's our indication, oh shit, there's a full moon. So, right. Yeah. So but it, it, that's, it feels that's, to me too sudden. I don't know, but I think that's I think that's the point though, and I think that's um to its benefit that it's too sudden. 
that it's not like he's walking around and he looks in the fridge and then he touches his head and he's like, oh, I've got a sore head. Do you know what I mean? It's better. But if I if like, I were making a straight bah! comedy about a werewolf, if I were making a straight comedy, that's this is the way I would do it. He's just completely normal and a little bit bored, and all of a sudden just goes into throes of agony. <laughs> but it's not. It seems, it's not played for laughs though, Testo. It's, well, that's <laughs> it's to show you that it's it's the pain that he's going through, that it's instantaneous, that it's well, not. Well, that's the weird part not though. <laughs> the transformation itself, of course, is seminal. I mean, this is yeah. like one of the most famous. Uh, this is probably the most famous werewolf transformation in in uh, cinema to this it's, day. It's amazing. It can't be topped. Yeah, absolutely. It still does have some of the problems of uh, of uh, physical uh, effects. Like he looks at his hand, but his his he doesn't move his hand. He doesn't move his fingers. He doesn't turn it around to look at the other side. <laughs> it like that doesn't seem. If you're in the throes of pain, that's not the way you would look at your hand no but that's just to show off the the effect effect yeah um so manimal no i i, I quite like that it's that's instantaneous that he's just suddenly in pain because i think that sort of throws the viewer off it's like holy shit what i guess, I guess. you know what i mean um yeah. I that, think this the sequence was way was uh, copied from the TV show Manimal, which didn't last very long, but which was important to my childhood for all yeah. eight episodes. Um, I just <laughs> want to say that he was reading a book. I don't know what book he was reading, but he turned off the TV after watching one full advert. And I understand that because TV back then was absolutely atrocious <laughs> during the day. But if he started watching it at this time of night, he, there would have been a good sitcom or something on. He could have watched oh. Coronation Street. You know what I mean? Yeah, he could, there would have been something enough. on. Crossroads, maybe. There would have been something for him to watch at this time of night. Good point. Um, and instead, but, I think he's still. I think he's reading that uh, copy of uh, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Yeah, is that what it is? That's the book she was reading to him before. I think he's trying mm-hmm. to re- yeah. continue reading it. Apparently, it was John Landis's favorite book. Also, one pound fifty for a taxi ride in London. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear me. <laughs> <laughs> I have paid uh, when I was a consultant going to like New York City. Man, I paid seventy five. I paid one hundred and fifty dollars for a taxi ride one time because there was no other way to get out. You know, it was it was a place I had to go across the river into New Jersey, and it was like a hundred and fifty dollars. So, do you think? So John Landis is obviously saying something about class here, isn't he? That's a good point, yes. Because um, it's posh people that's getting eaten. <laughs> yeah, it would be very interesting if it was a Cockney werewolf eating posh people. But no, yeah. it's an American eating posh people. I guess he's I, – I don't think it was – well, I don't know. I guess he's saying something about these type of people, right? He must be. Because the people who saved the American earlier on are not posh people. They're, oh, they're working class people. That's a good point, yeah. Who are the saviors um, at the beginning. So it, it's a bit sort of, yeah. He's saying something, but I don't know what it is. It's very odd that we see that couple and we see them again as that guy goes out into the darkness. But he doesn't get killed. Well, no, him, no, he doesn't, does he? Yeah, we see him a third time. No, yeah. 
he's he's just there to he he has to discover the bodies so he right. can phone the police so it can reach the newspapers the next day. But we can sort of assume that that happens. We don't need to actually don't need see, to see him see three times. We don't to, need to, to see it to see that. We don't That's, need to. Again, why I feel like Landis kind of overwrote this a bit. Yeah, and also that guy's reaction to standing on a like mutilated arm is just like ugh, really overly British. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's overly again. British. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has David persisted in his werewolf fantasies? Doctor <laughs> Hirsch, what's wrong? Is is this more serious than I know? Just answer the fucking question. <laughs> he's still talking about the werewolf thing because I think he's killing people. Yeah, but um, I forgot what I was going to say. Holy shit! Um, I don't have any he, notes written. I love I love his <laughs> lines. Sorry, I, I love his <laughs> lines here where he's where he's like he's a detective at this point, right? Like, uh, because when we found him, you know, his wounds had been dressed and and, and everything, even though they said that I was the first doctor who saw him. Blah 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 blah. But nothing comes of this little investigation. He doesn't come to any conclusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm watching uh, the. Uh, Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes series. So mm. I'm very, I'm finally attuned to the British detective mind. <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, he, this is very Sherlockian uh, in, in that way. But uh, no, nothing comes of it. Uh, okay. Just, he thinks he's, he sorry. thinks he's not a werewolf, but he's, he's going to become deranged. That's, yeah. that's the conclusion that he comes to, I guess. Yes. Um, but he does sort of believe it more later on. Um, the Nina Carter thing um, was filmed for the movie. So you were right. But it does look exactly like a fucking 1981 News of the World advert. That's the kind of advert. So John Landis saw, he must have seen adverts like that and filmed them yes. exactly. So good for right. him. And I don't think... He's, yeah, you're right. He's 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 mocking that specific yes. type of thing. Yeah, because the News of the World was a trashy rag. Sure. Um, I mean, it comes across. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It was terrible. Did you have homeless people like this in See, 1981? I'm thinking this looks very New Yorkish. I'm thinking this is not real. I really don't think <laughs> I really don't think London Bridge had this sort of yeah all redline the, hobos. Yeah, all the cars and everything like burnt out cars and stuff. That's a lot of bullshit. It's um, very much a New Yorker's view yeah. of what the, what a city looks like, and it's like yeah, I don't. Know that London never looked like that. Yeah, really. I don't think it did. So he he does some good things with the British thing, with the um the news of the world advert. But then he fucks it up with having burnt out cars next to fucking next to the Thames. <laughs> <laughs> as as we know from Mary Poppins, homeless people in Britain just go to the park and feed the birds. Yeah, that's all they do. Yeah, that's all they do. So this is the genuine underground here. here genuine and we get station here. Yeah, it looks like it. It's, it's yep. fascinating. And there's some. Uh, well, of course, except for the uh, the poster for uh, See You Next Wednesday. Oh no, no, the, that ad, that advert there is um that's John Landis's. But there is other. Po- there's a poster for Airplane, oh. which was the same year, I think, eighty one. Okay. Um, and there's a poster for the TV show Minder. Oh, okay. I'm um, starring George Cole and Dennis Waterman. Um, that's later on, though. That's like when he starts walking away here. You start. You those see are those probably. Posters. 
Those are probably real. Then. Those are real, yeah. But yeah. the one, the see you next Wednesday one is closer to him, so I think that's been put on there. I'll show you it when it comes up. Mm-hmm. It's when he's walking down. Um, yeah, it's after this bit. So it is very strange to me, though, that this tube station is empty. At this time of night, yes. I, I, I don't know what time of night it is, but there was people going to um, someone's house for dinner, so I'm assuming it's about seven-ish. Like, there's see you next Wednesday, but next to that is a yeah. there's airplane. Oh yeah, I see next it now. to that is Minder one. As, oh, I see it now too. Yeah. yeah. It's been defaced, in fact. Yes, exactly. Which is probably real. <laughs> yeah. But no, this is quite good. And also, it does show just how long these tunnels and that are. <laughs> just how long it can fucking take you just to leave these bloody things to get out at um, you know, an actual street. Yeah, New York and New Jersey is very similar. Yeah. With the with the with the uh, uh, New York subway and the and the path, uh, yeah, they're basically the same, yeah. But it's like um, big long tunnels. Um, but here's another posh uh, Englishman who's going. Yeah, to... I like that shot. That it's a little bit strange, but I still like that they're still showing a bit of it. Yes, I think it looks great here. Yeah, it looks great later when it's running at the end as well. Yeah. I'll be two seconds. I'm going to go shut my door over. We'll have a nice match cut there when uh, Tigers. We, we get the uh, lion uh, cut in in place of the werewolf as he wakes up in the morning naked in the wolf pen. Uh, probably, my guess is, had sex with one of the wolves. That's my theory. In fact, um, an American werewolf in Paris should have been not about Jenny Agarter's daughter, it should have been about this wolf yeah. having a, a wolf child. <laughs> That's what I would have made it as a sequel. Yeah, that would be really strange. But he totally banged that wolf, though. <laughs> I mean, they don't seem to care. Yeah, I su- yeah, these must be trained wolves, I suppose. Oh, I mean, but still, yeah, being naked... But I'm he said he, did, about... he said he only did one. Uh, sorry, he, he he said he only did one uh, take of this because he was generally terrified. Yeah, but for the, the the basis of the story and the fact that you know, going by character wise, these wolves are accepting of David because he's a wolf. Right. Yes. Yeah. We saw the the cat and the like a little puppy dog, right? Uh, bark at him. Yeah, the dog. But um, and the two girls that were with the dog, they're credited as creepy girls, I think, oh. which is quite <laughs> weird. I saw that in the in IMDb, and I was like, who are the creepy girls? Oh yeah, that's a good point. Also, when Jenny Agatha goes back home, um, the lights are off. So did the werewolf switch the lights off in our apartment? <laughs> <laughs> good catch. That's very funny. Um, yeah, this is this is very weird, sort of. I mean, well, this is a nightmare, isn't it? This is a genuine. This is the kind of things that you would generally have a nightmare about. Yeah, I mean, it's understandable that he is going to be naked, and and you know, a lot of these sort of movies just yada yada this sort of thing, and then just put it like, oh, he got home, it's fine. Yeah, people make jokes about the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, but at least this is showing. Yeah, the kids like, no, I'm not going to fucking talking bush. We talk. 
<laughs> this kid is great. I love his little uniform and his his balloons and everything. Yeah, this this I love his acting. He's fabulous. If this is first thing in the morning, I don't know why he's here. Um, but yeah, because he, he's got a school uniform on, so he should be yeah, school. <laughs> that's a good point. Who goes to the zoo before school? That's yeah, it's strange. And have balloons. I like it's the... not a school trip because he sees his, his mother is there. I like the kid's reaction. <laughs> he's chatting. Yeah, he's kind of just kind of smirking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this moment where he steals the lady's yeah. coat. She doesn't even notice. That is a great moment. A naked American man stole my balloons. <laughs> he did offer him money. I don't know how he was going to give him money, but. Two pounds, yeah, yeah, he's not gonna give him any money. He doesn't have any. <laughs> why does it why would a thief give me two pounds? I love that kid. Um so <sighs> Little Boy with Balloons, Rufus Deacon, we should credit him. Yeah. Twenty pence for a newspaper, that's pinnacle. So um the whole <laughs> That's fake. Those balloons are not real. No. I think that those that is like a like a plastic fake plastic balloons hung from a wire and i can't right. imagine why it, just to get it to look that way i suppose um uh, oh, bare feet. i actually expect um gonzo to be hanging off them but the <laughs> that's a good point you're right frank has probably <laughs> said you should do, you shouldn't use real balloons and here's why <laughs> yeah exactly we did it we did it it's fine um <laughs> nobody else needs to use real balloons so how's it going to pay for the bus everybody would think that he was a flasher, right? Yes. I think the indication is also, why is this man wearing a woman's jacket? But, but, but clearly it's... he's a pervert who's a, who's a sexual yes. predator and, and nobody says anything. No. Well, it's Britain. We, we well, that's a good point. Yeah. Stream about stuff like that. Um, she's got a very creepy doll on top of that wardrobe. And I just want to point that out. So, <laughs> Yeah, not many leading men would show their penis in a movie. You know, Kevin Bacon will do it at the drop of a hat. Yeah. But not many others. No. And I don't think it's entirely possible. I know it's a movie. Well, I don't think it's impossible that the newspapers caught wind of six murders and wrote a story and printed it overnight. It's improbable. But I don't uh, think that's it's impossible. Yep. Um. Yeah, especially British newspapers are probably just taking their time and they'll post it the next day. But in London, they, I don't know if they did it back then, but in London they would have like evening editions of newspapers. Okay. okay. Um, so like they would be the ones that were released in the morning and then there would be ones released about five o'clock, five o'clock, which would have like updated stories. Um. And yeah, in up. America, you might have an extra edition. Yeah. On a in a daily newspaper, and it, they always do that in movies. Extra, extra. Mm -hmm. Um, like it's an extra. Yeah. I don't I don't know that they ever did evening editions in America, but uh, yeah, no, they, they, they would certainly do an extra one. Pretty sure they they've done it already. Yeah. Uh, well, I know they did, but I just don't know the specifics. So. She she has a very small bed there. Is I can't. Like, this, somehow they slip together in it, but it doesn't look like a double bed to me. It doesn't, no. It doesn't. So he's quite... He's feeling quite sort of alive and... 
Um, he feels better than he's ever felt before, yeah. Yeah, because he has human beings in his stomach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> normally, normally we, we we joke about uh, werewolves. We would say that uh, they want to, you know, uh, uh, feast on the flesh of the innocents. But he's clearly not feasting on the flesh of the innocents. He's feasting on the flesh of capitalist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, aristocracy or, or or something close to it. Is is this is this guy driving the taxi? Is he well known as an actor? You, today you would definitely cast that as a cameo. Yeah, right? it would be a fucking comedian or something these yeah. days. It would be someone. Len, yeah, Lenny. Lenny, what's his name, right? Lenny Henry. Lenny Henry was the right in Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, he was he was the he, he was, was the, the shrunken voice, head. He was the, the driver. shrunken head. That's right. Yeah. He um, the driver. No, it would be someone like um, uh, David Schneider or whatever his name is. Or someone like that these days. It'd be someone that's uh, always doing sort of bit roles like that. And Americans would cast them because they like the way they look or whatever. Yeah, I guess you do that in America too, right? You got David Johansson playing a taxi driver in uh... Scrooged. Scrooged, thank you. So this is this is he's going to swear a lot here. And I'm not going to repeat the words he says, but the whole um, Prince Charles is an F word. Not that F word. Not fuck. The other F word. <laughs> um, they had to to make up for that in the end credits that they, they, um, they congratulated Prince Charles on his upcoming wedding to Lady Diana Spencer. Yeah, I thought that was very funny. Yeah. Um, and it's very outdated now. But... Um, but yeah, I I don't usually like that word, and uh, it's certainly something that has gone out of style. Yes, in the in the time since. But then. I think that a lot of movies use it quite gratuitously, gratuitously. Um, but here I think it's quite justified because he's trying to get arrested. He's trying right. to rile people up. And yeah, and would this get you arrested? I'm saying Prince Charles is an F word, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shouting the C word out loud in front of children might sort of—I don't know—I don't know if it get you arrested, but you might get escorted away from here. I mean, it's a big—he's really making a scene. Yes, I think so, I think you could get arrested in America. Would he though? Because he's white. Um. So he wouldn't. He would, <laughs> yeah, he'd be arrested, but not murdered. Yeah, true. He wouldn't be shot in the back accidentally. <laughs> uh. See that you can tell this is an actual like, this isn't a set. It's an actual room, and a um. Because this is what hospitals looked like back then. That's very authentic. Even though it's a closed down hospital, I think. It's I'm sure it's I read great, that. Yeah. <clears throat> I've always wondered why, you know, Hollywood especially didn't build like a whole town. Uh, not just a back lot, but like an actual town so that you can have interior rooms mm-hmm. and and look out onto the town square and stuff like that. Instead, I think uh, the, the, the back lot burned down, but uh, the, the, the old back lot uh, was, uh, you know, basically all fake facades. Well, back in the 80s, there was a, a soap opera here set in Liverpool, and it was called Brookside. And the thing about Brookside that sort of set it apart from 
other soap operas is all the houses were real houses. Mm-hmm. Um, they were built, and um, they also shot interiors of the houses. So mm-hmm. there was no sets. The houses were the sets. Mm. Uh, so that was like sort of a big deal because it was like an old there were old houses that were abandoned for some reason I think and and the production company just bought them and done them up and uh, used them for the filming whereas something like Coronation Street which still today would be real buildings but then inside the sets Mm -hmm. uh, Brookside didn't do that which I quite like you know who has done done that is uh, Tyler Perry Mm. he bought uh, Fort McHenry uh, a a former military uh, Fort McPherson rather Mm. um, uh, I think in Georgia and he built some additional buildings so there's like a school and a hospital and a police station and he's got the whole thing and a White House uh, it's incredible yeah Um, I think that I did sort of shite on the the Nazi scene earlier on, but I think it was also the that dream sequence is there to show his his siblings. Um, so well, that's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. So this conversation he's having with his kid sister here is um, it's supposed that you know it means something because we've seen her, we've met her briefly. Right. Well, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. He he mentions Max as well, and I don't think we saw two kids, did we? We did, yeah. There was two kids yeah. in front of the TV watching the Muppets, yeah. That actor who playing his father looked really British to me. Yeah, so, probably was, yeah. Um, I think the kids the kids must have been as well, because we don't hear the, the the kids talking, so there must be um, British kids because they were filming in Britain and. Uh, that's also why we don't hear the girl over the phone. Oh, that's a good point. Um, yeah. So they wanted um, they wanted Griffin Dunn's character to be played by an American who lived in Britain who was already part of their union. Yeah, union. yeah, I get that because they already had permits. Like, you know, permit wise, it costs a lot of money. Um, so they would want, and they would also want them to hire someone who's living here to save money um and because they can also just like sort of go home if they live in britain so um okay mr kessler was played by gordon stern uh born in essen germany oh things well there you go then and the nazi scene no less that is weird isn't it yeah he was also in highlander all right, okay. Right, so this this version of Jack, even though we, we saw Jack as actual yep. Jack, Griffin Dunn yep. outside, and now he's suddenly right. changed into this. I don't think this works as well. It's kind of dated. And, um, well, it's a puppet, yeah. I mean, yeah. He's, he says he's actually uh, working the puppet, but uh, yeah. this is an odd scene for a porno <laughs> it's an odd yeah it's an odd joke that's that's more land i've never seen humor. you before in my life oh i'm sorry <laughs> yeah he just walks away what yeah that's just a really weird landis thing um so plus plus correct me if i'm wrong there are no british pornos there are only <laughs> swedish pornos imported into into britain is that correct <laughs> uh, that is not true oh <laughs> 
I thought I thought Britain only had page three girls. That's my understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's not true at all. We have a thriving porn business here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Even so, now we now it's then. not just sorry. So, even back then, yeah. And so now it's not just one guy who's dogging him uh, as a corpse or a ghost of a corpse or something. It's six people. <laughs> yeah, but the thing or is... Or seven now. Seven? And, well, including Jack, it's seven. Right, yes. The couple, the guy in the train station... The three bumps. And the three winos, yeah. Yeah. So the... Por- See, this porno is not going... I'm going back to the porno. This porno would just be like a softcore porno. Um, which this sort of thing was a a lot in the seventies and um, early eighties, like the uh, Confessions of a Window Cleaner and all that sort oh, of stuff. Yes. Those sort okay, of movies yes. were a big deal back then. Um, but the thing about this porno is it must be the most boring porno ever <laughs> because it's the same couple throughout the yeah. entire movie. <laughs> so. It's very funny to me that uh, Griffin Dunn's character was so cheerful when when he came back, and this guy is really ticked off. <laughs> yeah, but that's also because Griffin Dunn's character's got familiarity with um, with David. That's uh, this, this guy doesn't know him. I think that's also what it's showing as well. That's like <laughs> Griffin Dunn, and also um, David didn't kill Jack, so. But this, this, oh, that's a this, good point. This, this oh my was, gosh, wait a minute, that's a good point. David didn't kill Jack. Why is Jack haunting David? That's unfair. <laughs> that's unfair. It's just to warn him that he has to die or more people will die like him. I love that the winos are also angry about being killed. They they were... <laughs> they're bums, homeless men on the streets <laughs> begging for money to get alcohol. They were fine. They, they lived, they and they're lived like, next to And the... you killed us too. Yeah. <laughs> The one, the one that annoys me is the woman, who's really chipper. She's very, very cheerful. Yeah, very overly cheerful. Yeah. Because she was about to get married and have a wonderful life. She had her whole life ahead of her. Yeah. Although she's 38 years old, it looks like to me. Yeah. He ain't no friend to me. Gentlemen, please. But the, but the whole... You know, women and men, not just women, I'm not pointing at women, but people back then did look older. Um, oh, that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so, see, that guy with the beard is actually only 25, so. <laughs> he does like his shots of the pavilion and, um, and the... Uh, he likes th- these Piccadilly shots, Circus? Piccadilly Circus shots. He likes all yeah. these. Because he shows them all that, like that. He shows that all the time. That's the... that's familiar oh, to him. Yeah, it's yeah. like Times Square. He recognizes that. Exactly. Yeah. And he thinks other people recognize it as well. So. so there's like five guys sitting watching this really boring porno <laughs> of the same couple in every single scene. Yeah, there's not nearly enough plot for a softcore porno. No. Just leave him alone. He could be masturbating. Come on. He's not a yeah, porno. Who's this guy? <laughs> is this an usher or something? I don't a think so. Theater? He doesn't say anything to him. I know. It's weird. He doesn't ask him if he's okay. 
That's really horrible. Uh, He's wearing a suit, so... He could be. A non-stop orgy. It's not an orgy at all. It's just no, one it's couple just... In, the, in the bed. Yeah. But if you look in the poster, the guy who walks in on them is on the poster. Yeah, I noticed that too. They've got, like, there's, <laughs> that's wrong. They've got tab. A, a, a tin of tab there or so. A can, sorry. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. That's you wrong. Didn't have that? We don't have oh. that here, no. No tab. That's a Coca Cola diet, diet drink. Was it? Not Pepsi. Yeah. That's the Pepsi cats. Yeah. But oh, no, right. yeah, tab's, tab's not a thing over here. Interesting. This is, this scene is so strange. The cops come in and, you know, he sees this and then he immediately runs out and just tries to bar the door. <laughs> well, he sees, the, he sees the werewolf. We don't, but he does. Because we can't I get guess... another shot of it, so. <laughs> I think we, I think we see, I think we do see it. Do we? we? I can't remember. Yeah. He doesn't look at the screen at all, which is unbelievable to me. Oh, no, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't look at the same woman who's showing her boobs throughout a 90-minute movie. Yes. Yeah, they, that's a good point. Yeah, they couldn't hire more than one actress to yeah. take off her top. So look at that poster. That that, that guy with the moustache is in the poster and yeah. another woman. Yep. And they're naked. That, I don't think that would be allowed. Even, yeah, even yeah, that was very odd seeing that on the subway. Yeah, sorry? Oh, yeah, 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 that's a good point. It's very funny to me that the that the cop comes out here the, the, and immediately grabs the uh, uh, that that whatever you call it uh, that roller shade that, yeah, to come yeah. down. Do you, did you have those, in Britain? Those are very common in in, in yeah, uh, have them. New York. I like that. I mean, this guy's been a bit of a dick throughout the entire movie. Um, his death's very quick. <laughs> really his head up. pops off. Yeah, but his head falls off. So I like that. This is an amazing scene, though. This oh, is really I love good. This There's so much like stunt work in this. And yes. I mean, obviously he made. Look at that! Jesus Christ! That guy just run right into that car. Cars and motorcycles, and a guy getting run over by a yeah. car. It's it's marvelous because it like in a normal normally in a movie like this you would see the monster kill people you know one after another yeah but they're killing and, each and other this, yeah in this case it's like no it creates havoc and they end up dying from you know car crashes yeah oh and there's a cop getting squished between two cars yep i imagine <clears throat> he wasn't actually hit by the car i imagine that it a is the thing and the car stopped hopefully yeah, yeah. hopefully it's a good stunt, regardless. Mm-hmm. It is very, very odd that our uh, our f- f- female lead is like taking a nap during the most important scene. <laughs> in she the film. doesn't. She doesn't do anything. I know. Yeah, she doesn't really do anything at all, except for the very, very end. And she still doesn't do it then. <laughs> she just says, "I love you," and he dies. <laughs> she doesn't say. Well, yeah, she's not the one who actually shoots. She's yeah, not he the even one who says. Kills him. Yeah, good point. He even says, like, I think it, I think the the people who kill, the person who kills the werewolf has to love them or something. Nice. And that seems like that's going to be a plot point, but it's not. Because you could believe it. I mean, the, the, the guys in the pub, we could we could play that as, oh, the yeah, the people in the pub had to love the guy who, who, the, who was the werewolf that they killed. But it, it doesn't make any sense. 
in terms of a werewolf legend. Like, yeah. you have to love the werewolf person? <laughs> I know. Like, you know, what, you know what series when the armed police are called in? <laughs> the armed police, yes. Yeah. Which is, what percentage of the British police force do you think? The London police force. Um, well, it's a one unit. It's, it's one single unit. <laughs> um, the, we do have armed police. It's just not all, not all of our policemen are armed. Yeah. But we do have armed police. Major cities this will would, have them. So. so, so our cops don't have those kind of guns. Uh, all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have. They would have shotguns in the trunk of their cars. But of course, I mean, they all carry sidearms. They certainly yeah. carry pistols and stuff. Um, our cops are very well armed in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, over overly so, some yes. might argue, including myself. Um, but so this would play out very oddly, very differently in, in the United States because that cop would have pulled out his gun and shot the shot the werewolf right mm-hmm. there in the theater <laughs> instead of running away and, and battening down the hatches. Yeah, that would have been uh, a, a Cockney werewolf in New York or something. That would have been. Oh man! Oh, that would have been a great <laughs> sequel. Oh my god, that would have been great. Yeah, I think I think this ends far too abruptly. So my experience with this as a teenager, seeing it for the first time with my friends uh, on VHS, I'm sure, yeah. or maybe it was HBO, um, was holy cow! That, it just, that that's it. That's the end. Oh my god, he's actually dead and everything. Um, that was astonishing. Uh, to me and i think that's what john landis was going for it's a short film right 90 100 minutes something like that yeah 95 minutes 95 or something yeah but that's it that's it done now (laughs) we see his naked body and then she cries and then that's it um an hour 37 yeah yeah i just saw a bit of um information here that says rick mail and adrian remison were both offered parts in the film after john landis saw them perform on stage and thought they were hilarious Rick came to the set and got cast, but Adrian didn't believe Landis and never showed up. Yeah, oh, that sounds wow. just like Adrian Emerson. <laughs> that is interesting. Well, he's fine. He was in a Star Wars movie. He's all right. Um, so, yeah, that's it finished. It's just really quite abrupt. I would like to have seen more sort of mayhem um, in, the, in London at the end there. More sort of stunt work and stuff. But yeah, Kermit and Miss Piggy are credited as themselves, which is yes, that's funny. Yeah. Creepy little girls, yeah. Um, something else is odd. Elmer Bernstein or Bernstein is mm-hmm. uh, credited as the uh, as the uh, music uh, guy, but of course the film is famous for using pop songs uh, throughout the film. So I don't know what what Elmer wrote for this. Wait, that's, there is some score. The score there's during the score, score at the yeah. beginning and the score during the. Um, at the end there, yeah. And during the him running about scenes. Just some interesting incidental stuff, I guess. Yeah, well, that's what... Not a theme. Well, no, that's not necessarily what a composer does. They don't Movies don't have to have themes, they just have to have incidental music. All of my girlfriends have been... <laughs> themes. <laughs> that's been my experience. There <laughs> he goes, boasting about all the sex he's had again. <laughs> Oh my god! Give him a rest, pistol! Uh. <laughs> oh, oh, don't forget, also, this movie inspired the video for Thriller, and John Lance yeah. directed that for Michael Jackson. 
Yeah. I think Rick, was, um, Rick Baker did the effects for that as well, I believe. It was, yeah, because Michael Jackson saw this movie and just loved the effects and saw and wanted to, and he liked horror. Yes, yes. Um so he um, I mean his life was a horror movie. Well uh, yeah, but, in, in multiple ways I suppose, yeah. Yeah. But um but yeah, he, he liked it and then he wanted to work with John Landis, so and my other question is do you think that that John Landis was trying to recreate the energy? Imagine these characters being played by Harold Ramis and Bill Murray. <laughs> if David was Harold Ramis and Bill Murray was had been, you know, was in makeup, I don't think Bill Murray would do makeup. Did he have, has he No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't do that. No. No. But he, he, they needed he to be young. Hates, he hates acting. Why would they want to do that? Well, we're talking 1975. It would have been maybe, instead of 1981, it would have been 1976 or something no, like maybe, that. Maybe back then, if he was hungry enough, but, yeah. But yeah, he wouldn't have done makeup, would he? I don't think so. No, it would have been interesting, though. Right, okay. All right. Uh, Putting a bean, actually, Harold Ramis, in a role like this. Say that again? It would have been interesting seeing Harold Ramis in a role like this. I think that David Naughton is wonderfully... Um, likable and Griffin Dunn as mm-hmm. well, so they were well cast. But yeah, I think it would have been really interesting with Harold Ramis. I'm not sure. I, maybe he wouldn't have wanted to do it either. Maybe maybe John Landis wrote it for those two, and they went, "No, this doesn't sound like us." Mm-hmm. Uh, a very good film, but plays out a little oddly. Not one of my favorite films, but no. certainly uh, of a fun one uh, to revisit. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was it was. Fun to revisit. I'm glad I, I'm glad I watched it again because I do enjoy it, and I think I did enjoy it more watching it this time than I did the first time because I was quite a snob watching um, horror movies back then. I think I saw it in the 90s, so I was probably oh really? So you were a horror then. movie snob? I, I think so. I mean, back in the 90s, it was all about screaming stuff like that. Right. So. Right. But I liked Nightmare on Elm Street and The Thing and the original Halloween have been three of my favourites like since I was a child. Mm-hmm. The Thing is certainly one of my favourites. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Alien would be another one of mine. Yeah, I didn't see Alien until later on. So, um, but since it was... Uh, Mr. Jim Henson gets a thank, thank you at the end here. Um, oh, that'd be nice. So I was quite into those movies... And The Omen, I like The Omen, as you know, because we did a commentary for it. But the, but stuff like this passed me by. So once again, in the 90s, and I was watching 90s horror movies, which are all garbage, back from scream. But once I was watching 90s horror movies, uh, I just started to be like, oh, I don't want to watch you know, the older ones anymore. Uh, but then I went to college, learned what good films actually are. <laughs> And then get back into them again. So yeah, there was a period in time when I was a bit of a snob. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some stuff. Uh, I don't know. I, I I didn't see the slasher films, uh, Halloween and uh, Friday the Thirteenth. I didn't see those until gosh. Yeah. It might have been the early two thousands. Well, that's 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 uh, yeah. That's a big difference seeing them then, like as opposed to seeing them. Yeah, and I've I've still never seen The Exorcist. See, I think The Exorcist. Yeah. I think The Exorcist is like um, overrated. 
Oh, interesting. Oh. I don't think I don't find it scary. I know I know loads of people who do. Uh, my mum does. My mum hates it, but she had a bad experience watching it. But um, I just don't think it's all that good. I think there's some good bits in it, but mm-hmm. I just don't think it's you know. All right. Well, thank you very much. Happy Halloween to everyone. Yes. Happy Halloween, everyone. Woo. As if you needed something else to scare you in 2020. (laughs) I know. Thank you for listening. See you all next time. Goodbye.